Well, good morning, church. It is so good to see you. Here's what we believe. It's just, uh, we were praying earlier, and we pray in, in different, we're praying in here, worship team, and the, the guest services and parking guys, and they, they were praying, and we're all praying for the same thing. It's built on this crazy, simple truth. Whether you've been here a whole bunch of times, and you grew up in church, and this is what you've been doing for as long as you remember, or if it's your very first time at Relentless, here's what we believe. God planned to speak to your heart this morning, to speak to your life. That's crazy. Like, I don't know what you're bringing into the room. Um, some of you, I just met for the first time this morning, and then we got our online crowd. Everybody be quiet, but let me hear it from our online crowd. No, just the online. You're not online. You're here. I want to hear from my online crowd. See? Uh, pastors have a sixth sense. I heard them. All right, so we're, we're glad to have you with us. I know some of you are so close and you're waiting on this or that. And some of you, um, everybody's got their own story. We're just glad that you're with us online. Um, and we're glad that you're here in the room as we continue. How do you know? Week two. And I want to take you back um, this morning uh, to, to some folks that most of you don't know because some of you are young, right? Some of you don't remember this. But, but who remembers by show of hands a little something called Millie Vanilli? Man, I love my church, all right? I've looked, I cannot find why they were called Millie Vanilli. It wasn't their names. I don't know what those words mean. It was catchy, right? Millie Vanilli, but that was a, a, a pop duo that hit it big back in about 1989. I was talking to our wonderful worship leader, Vasti, earlier, and I said, Vasti, just on, like, have you ever even heard of, no, never, never even heard the words Millie Vanilli, and we got to do better with our, with our staff. But if you don't know, uh, they, they just came on the scene, two dudes from Germany, and they had some hits, and they took the world, not just America, by storm. And, and some of you don't think you remember, but you are in a second. So I'm going to let you get a little audio candy here this morning just to take you back. If you need to work it out in the room, if you're online, you got full freedom to do what you can. But uh, see if this brings back any kind of nostalgia for some of you that are a little older than, than others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, some, some, of you, some of our college kids, some of you in your 20s, or 30s, like you're like, you don't understand that the, just that six seconds takes us back somewhere, right? We can like, we need to take a minute and just sit down and be where we were the last time we heard that song, because it's really not played on the radio anymore. And here's, here's why, if you don't watch behind the music stuff, here's the long story, very short. They, they were two dudes from, from Germany, their names were Rob and Fab. Again, I don't know how we got from that to Millie Vanilli. And, and they, they came over here and they, they had that hit and then a hit. I had to choose. It's one of the hardest pastor decisions I've ever made. I had to choose between do we play Girl You Know It's True or do we play Blame It on the Rain, right? And I just prayed this week and made a last second change. I hope it was the right call, right? So, so with that, they, they blew up. They, they actually won a Grammy, Right, but here's the, they were singing that song, Girl, You Know It's True, in Connecticut, right? They were doing a concert in Connecticut, and, and the track behind them got stuck, and it kept repeating, and they realized they're not singing. It's just a track playing, right? And they, the dude didn't know what to do, so he ran off the stage, right? Been there, 
right? And, and, and the crowd was like, that was weird and everything was good, but there was some people in the room that realized, hey, something's off here. So they realized they were lip syncing, right? But a lot of, if you didn't know, a lot of acts, they, they don't sing live because they're doing all their dance stuff. But then as they investigated, long story short, they were lip syncing somebody else singing. They, they weren't singing their own stuff. There was some dudes, which I feel sorry for these dudes. You could, they do interviews now too. There was some dudes that actually were singing, but they didn't think they were good looking enough to be on the stage. So they found these two good looking guys to sing the song, although they never sang the song. So there's this big scandal, right? They took their Grammy away. And really, it's funny until you go real life, like it gets real sad of what happened to these dudes uh, later on, ruined their life. One of them is no longer on the earth. And that is the story of Millie Vanilli. And as we get into how do I know week two, right? And we talked about the resurrection last week coming off of Easter. And how do you really know that there was a guy named Jesus that died on a cross and most importantly rose from the dead? And today as we get into what we call culturally the Bible or scripture, man, how, how do we know we don't got some Millie Vanilli? How do we know that we're not putting God's name on something that actually is coming from some, some men that lived a long time ago that we've never met? That's a pretty important question, no matter where you're at in your faith or how old you are or any, any of that, because we're, we're building Jesus Church on Jesus. One of our favorite verses that we've talked about now for almost seven years comes from Corinthians. It's core to our church and it says that Christ's love compels us. Some of you grew up in church world where you were compelled by guilt, shame, fear, threat, like you had to do certain things, wear certain things, do certain, whatever, whatever. And we, we just believe that the best motivator for the life is the love of Jesus. We've seen it change your lives, right? We know it works. We're trying to compel you with the love of Jesus. But the end of that verse, as you see, says, so that we would no longer live for ourselves, but instead for him who died and was raised again. All kinds of, I was just staring at our worship team earlier, right, worshiping, but I'm worshiping God kind of like Seth talked about last week. Man, I know some of their stories. I know where they come from, right? And it's just, it's moving to see. And we're just all kinds of people from all kinds of places and all kinds of different levels and journeys in our faith trying to, hey, what would it look like if we chose not to live for us, but for Jesus? Like, what does that look like in 2021? That's what we're trying to be. So in that, we're not talking about just believing in something. We're talking about living for something, like giving your life. Wow. That's a pretty big deal. So with that, well, we got, it was a pretty significant week for our church, uh, as big a week as we've had calendar-wise in a very long time. Tomorrow night is something we call Welcome to Relentless. Because we're not just trying to gather and have a nice service and send you home. Like We're trying to be a multi-ethnic movement for God, as we always say. Man, we, we just want to, and we want to do this regularly, and we did do this regularly before everything, so it's our first time out. This is just kind of an orientation. This is for anybody. You know, some of you are super planned out, but these days, you know, we're trying to figure out how to get through the day, so I thought, hey, we'll announce this the day before, and maybe you might be looking at somebody or thinking to somebody, hey, you know what? We could do that tomorrow night. Great. Come on. Join us. It's not too late. You see the sign-up information. It's on our What's Happening page on the website. This is just a simple, casual, it'll be intimate, small, fun. There will be prizes. I'm just saying, right? And it's, it's just about, hey, what are we as a church? Like underneath, kind of behind the curtain stuff, where are we going uh, as a church? What does the next you know, year to two look like? And, and where 
uh, you might fit into that. So we provide childcare, happy to do it. It's tomorrow night in the building, 6.30 to 8. You are now officially invited, but we need you to sign up today because we want to be ready for you. That's a big deal. That's tomorrow night. And then in the same week or a week from today, we have Baptism Sunday. What? What? This is our first, we're an online crowd. I don't know what you're like at home, but I just want you to know in the room, we're moderately excited about Baptism Sunday. All right, and that's okay. Uh, we, we have not had a Baptism Sunday in well over a year. Um, so we're super excited and, and super just humbled by the stories that I already know of, of the folks that are have already, I, they're in and getting baptized next Sunday. If you want to have a conversation about baptism, uh, we would love to have that conversation with you, answer questions, pray with you, whatever you need. Uh, you just, just email us the same thing we used on Easter. Yes, at Relentless Church, and we will follow up with you. And you, could, you can jump in and get into the water. Which will be, so here's what will happen next week. We'll do our normal service, and we'll just end the service out there in the lobby, watching people take the beautiful Jesus plunge. So I say all that, like we're living for Jesus. Like we've got a big stuff coming up, and all of it's built on something, and it didn't come from me. Right, so where did it come from? And, and some people would say, well, it came from the Bible. Well, we gotta ask, how do you know? And what do you, like, be real honest with yourself. We're not gonna take a survey, raise hands. I just, like, how do you, how do you know that the Bible isn't from human beings? We got some cool humans in this church. We really do. But there's zero chance I'm gonna ask several of you cool humans to write a book and then I'm gonna live based on what you said. I, don't sign me up for that. We claim that it's, it's not men, it's, it's God, it's from God. Like, how do you know? We're going we're to walk through that today. Let me, let me kind of make the case that the Bible makes about itself quickly. Uh, Paul's talking to Timothy, and, and we call it the, the book. When we say the Bible, it's really a collection of books and letters and, and, and prophecy, all this. But Paul's saying this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3. He says, as, you, as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it. So earlier we already found out, Timothy was taught the Bible, the scripture, from his grandmother, right? Praise God for awesome grandmothers. Some of you were blessed by that. So, so he said, not just remember what you were taught, remember who taught it to you, verse 15, and from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, I could preach a whole message just on that verse. That's a crazy verse. The sacred writings in the context is what we call the Old Testament. When Jesus was talking about the word, he was talking about the Old Testament. Some of you have a view like the Old Testament was, is old and, and really not relevant anymore. And scripture doesn't speak about scripture that way. In fact, here Paul tells Timothy, hey, you've grown up with the sacred writing, the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is able to make you wise for faith in Christ Jesus. See, we just finished a series called Losing My Religion, and some people think all religions are kind of the same. We're like, no, this is a very big difference. Judaism, they view the Old Testament as just simply the history of the Israel, of the Jewish people. It's not a story. It's not necessarily, it's just, it's just a history. This is who we are. This is what God did with us. And that's where, where we believe that, that, no, that God is writing one story from the beginning of time until now, from the old and the new, and the entire Old Testament is about the same thing the entire New Testament is about, Jesus, and our need for him. It's all a setup. It's a one beautiful, common thread. So verse 16, he then says to, to Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God 
and profitable for teaching, reproof or rebuke, correction for training in righteousness. We know about training. This is righteous training through Scripture that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That is quite a claim that all Scripture is breathed out by God. Right? We did a series that there's so much you know, tension and an argument in church world, and it comes from this. There's, there's, there are churches um, that believe that the scriptures are from man about God, and, and we believe here that the scripture is through man, but from God, breathed out by God. Well, how, how do you how do you know that? Well, well, Peter referred, like these guys referred to each other. Like Peter talked about Paul. He's like, some of that stuff's hard to understand as are other, but he referred, he uses the word scripture in his letter, Peter, you know, real close to Jesus, to, to talk about Paul's writings. They've referred to each other's writings as scripture. Here's how Peter said it, 2 Peter 1, 16. We did not follow cleverly devised myths, right? There's myths and there's truth. How do you know the difference? When we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus, but we were eyewitnesses. We saw it. It wasn't a myth we made up. We saw it. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. A few, late, a, a few verses later, he says this, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns, the morning star rises in your hearts. Listen, knowing this first of all, no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The case that they're making. Now, you can say, well, how do we know they weren't lying, right? We'll get to that. But the case scripture makes from Peter to Paul to Jesus to the Old Testament to the prophets The case they're making is this was not something I was going into my closet and dreaming up some stuff and writing it down and then giving it to you and and, and saying it's from God. That the case they're making is that God, through his Holy Spirit, intervened and carried the message through the pen or scroll or whatever of men. That's the case. But how do you know? How do you know that's true? It is huge for the rest of your life. If you think that's true, if you doubt that's true, or if you know that's true. So we're gonna try to use the same acronym we used last week. We're gonna try to help you. That's what we're about, trying to help you. Trying to help you know that you don't have to use blind faith to believe in the resurrection, which we talked about last week, and and to know that this is from God, not from man. So, So the help, same acronym as last week. H stands for history. So outside of scripture, right, we can talk about scripture and how it talks about itself, but we need more than that, right? So history, just think about scripture and how it stood the, the test of time. It's not only the best-selling book, which that doesn't mean anything by itself, right? Like, go look at some of the best-selling books. That's, that's, but it's not only the best-selling book of all time, it's the best-selling book every year. In America, like, we have Bibles, right? Plenty of people don't read the Bible, but people that don't read the Bible usually have a Bible in the house. You talk about a marketing, really, like how do you get people to keep buying a book they already have and don't read? <laughs> like you could do that for a decade, like it just keeps happening. People just keep buying Bibles, right? And it's not just about the sales, it's, it's the history of what scripture does. Like it, 
we talked about the, the verse on, on Easter that Jesus would be so bold to say, no one gets to the Father except through me? Like, that's offensive. And because of the offensiveness of Scripture, because it claims to be not from man about God, but from God through man, people have attacked it for centuries because... If that's true, if this stuff is breathed out from God, if there's a holy, powerful, one and only God, and he made you, and he gets to call the shots, and he put his authority into the written word, then oh my goodness, that has an impact on your life. So you can either bow humbly to that, or as human beings have done for centuries. You can try to discredit it. So it has been attacked. They've been trying to find details. Hey, they said it was in this city and that city wasn't where it was or because it's very detailed document. So it has been attacked and there's been millions and millions of dollars spent to try to have projects and, and forums and papers and speeches to discredit the Bible. And yet, it continues, not just to sell, but it continues to stand. There was a, a crazy deal 70 years ago. Some of you heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls, right? It's, it's, it's miraculous, right? So, so the scripture, we don't have the original copies, but don't let that worry you because none of the ancient books, we have the original copies. The amount of manuscripts and the age of the manuscripts, the copies that we have of, of the Bible are older and more than any other ancient book that we have and believe in. So you can count on that. But they found these scrolls that, had, had, that are now the oldest copies of manuscripts of, of several parts of Scripture. And they found them in these caves uh, in Israel, and they, they were somehow kept because the caves were like the perfect temperature. Everything else has, doesn't exist from that day, but because these were you know, in these bottles, in these jars, over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, they found, these kids found them, and they went and excavated it, and they did all this research, and Christians, non-Christians, secular scholars, and they said, these are legit, and these are from over a thousand years ago. So now, this is crazy, like this could have brought the whole thing down. Now we have copies over a thousand years old of Isaiah, of different parts of the Old Testament, and new in other archaeological finds, and now they can match those up to what your Bible at home says. If they're different, we got a problem. That means what they copied, you know, all those years ago is different than what you're reading. How do we explain that? And every single thing they found, it matches. Like, obviously, you got to translate it, but it's the same stuff. It, the, the only changes are things like comma or an apostrophe here and there. Like, the, it, me, it's, it hasn't, like, that built so much. And we don't need that, but that's just a little extra bonus that God gave us. And we could talk a ton about history, but I want to get to some other stuff. I, it's the eyewitness, right? If you've never read scripture, we want you to start Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, preferably Luke and John. Why Luke and John? Why do you want to start there? Because they're my favorite. And I, I just, that's all. That's the only reason, right? You can start anywhere you want, but Luke's a doctor and he comes at it as an investigative journalist kind of guy. He's like, I'm interviewing people to see what's what. John is like the most intimate right hand. Like he was there for all of it. And he's writing from that first person perspective. Mark, he just interviewed Peter. He just talked and talked and talked to Peter. And that's where most of Mark comes from. Matthew's writing to a Jewish audience. Different accounts of Jesus' life, ministry, death, and resurrection. They're eyewitness or from eyewitness accounts. That matters, and if you're going to trust Scripture, and, and with that becomes details and specific details. 
that if this was made up or wasn't like, there's no way they could say all the stuff and all the details they did, which leads me to the L of logic. Like we want to use our brain. How do you know? Man, it just doesn't make sense that the details that they gave us are in there. They're very unflattering details. Logically, if you're going to make something up or if it's not an eyewitness of what happened, we talked about this on Easter, there's no way you let Jesus appear to anybody, aliens, and other than women. You don't let the first people that see a resurrected body be two women in the first century if you want anybody to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Why would they do that? Women couldn't even testify in court. Why would they? The only thing that makes sense is because it's what happened. There's so many details. Peter, we just mentioned Peter. Peter blew it repeatedly. The biggest moment of Peter's life, his savior is getting arrested. This is written after the fact, after they know Jesus rose from the dead. And Peter is there and he has a chance to stand with Jesus and he runs scared. He cusses right and left. I don't know. I don't, he doesn't want to be associated in any way with Jesus. Why would we put those details in scripture? Right? If Peter got a vote, if I'm Peter, I'm like, yeah, we can leave that out because everything worked out. Like, people don't need to. Oh, and there's so many, like, like, why would you put that in there? The only thing that makes sense is they're just writing what happened. It's logical that this is from God, not from man. Because God's so blunt with us. All right, this is a whole nother series we talked about. This is a little line in Hebrews 11 that says, to avoid the fleeting pleasures of sin. Some of you grew up in a church context where no one ever told you sin was fun. God did. God was straight up like sin has pleasure with it, right? Let's tell the truth. Sin is fun. Sin is fun. Like go home, your grandma, hey, did you guys go to church? What'd you learn? Sin is fun. That's all, that's all I remember. Don't like, don't say that. It's just a lot like if we're trying to control people and get them not to do things, and we're not going to tell them the truth like God did, but, but he did over and over and over. 40 authors written across three continents in 1,500 years telling one story that none of us are ever going to be good enough to get to a holy, righteous God. So he came to us through Jesus to rescue and adopt us. It's amazing. It's logical. In fact, the brilliance of a God revealing himself through the word, right? Because if, if, you, if you study other religions, and if, he could have gone a lot of different ways, but the other way to do this is him appear to somebody, and then we just got to take that guy's word for it forever. <laughs> but the brilliance of I'm going to reveal, I want people in 2021 living in this place called America, I want them to know me, so I'm going to reveal myself through a supernatural, living and active, breathing document that we call the Bible that will stand the test of time. Listen, we got some smart people in here online. We got some smart people online. How brilliant. We could put the smartest 10 people in Relentless Church, whoever that is. I know who it's not, right? Whoever that is. What could you write this week, this month, this year that anybody would care about 2,000 years from now? What could you write that would even be remotely relevant to somebody's life? Nothing. Logically. Now, I breezed through that, right? We, we, we just went really fast because I wanted to save some time for the P, right? That sounds funny. If I was more immature, I would say other things, but I'm not. I'm looking at my wife. 
But if some of you, honestly, uh, you're new in your faith or you've been around church your whole life, but you got some pretty heavy questions that I've not addressed. All right, there's a ton of resources, a ton of books. I want to recommend one to you today. It's, I just love it. It's hard to get. I hate to recommend a resource that's hard to get, but hey, how bad do you want it, right? It's called God Breathe, right? It comes from that scripture we looked at. It's by a guy named Josh McDowell, right? And it's, it's just an awesome book. Half of it's about the power of scripture. The other half is about the reliability of scripture. And you can find it on Amazon. Usually it's a use. They don't, every once in a while they get some new copies. It's not even that old of a book, all right, but you can, you can find it if you don't mind somebody else writing in your book. Like, just do. If you got questions about the reliability or how do we get the books, how did some books make it in, how did some, all that stuff. Like, he does a great job. That's a resource. Follow up. Buy it for yourself. Buy it for somebody you love. Read it. It'll grow your faith. It has a lot of questions to answers that you may have. But I want to spend the rest of our time with the acronym. Help it. We're history, eyewitness, logic. It's the same again as last week. It's personal experience. What is your personal because it matters. I can stand up here all day long and talk about the Bible is true. The Bible is God's word, right? That doesn't mean a whole lot to you on Tuesday if you don't have any personal experience. And I believe, based on my own conversations, research, and being awake, that the majority of people, much less the majority of Christians, have never experienced God in a meaningful way through Scripture. Let me say that again. That's crazy. I think, I think it's not even a debate. The majority of Christians have never experienced God in a meaningful way through Scripture. Now, there's a ton of ways to experience God. It's not only through Scripture, but Scripture is one of God's favorite ways. I think that there's a lot at work spiritually to keep you from going to scripture and experiencing God in a meaningful way through it. I think there's spiritual battle, invisible, all kinds of crazy stuff. I think, I think the enemy will do anything to prevent you from experiencing God in a meaningful way through scripture. And there are plenty of things to get held up on, right? We, let, me, let me use the easiest example since we are a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement of God. We use slavery, Right, because people will discredit Scripture, and they'll say, the same Bible you're talking about as God's Word is the same Bible that condoned slavery. And then they'll say, the people that stood on a stage like you, maybe they didn't have a microphone, maybe they did, right? It wasn't that long ago. They would stand on a stage and use the same book to say that God was pro-slavery. Now, I just made two statements. One is true, one is not. Yes, people stood on a stage and used the Bible to, to say God was for it. That is true. What is not true is that Scripture is pro-slavery. But that is one example of many. If you start to just sow seeds of doubt, like maybe this, isn't, this couldn't be from God, then, then there's no way you're going to do what we're talking about, experience it personally. Let me, let me clean that up since I can't just leave it right there. Right, in, in the ancient, ancient Old Testament times, right? In the Jewish world, there, there was no prison, like among God's people, there was no prison. So if I committed a crime, one of, not the only, one of the ways that I would pay my crime debt is that I would work for you. And I wouldn't get to decide what I did and what I didn't do. I worked for you. That was my way. That was my, my, my prison time, so to speak. Later in, in the New Testament, 
There's all kinds of different things going on, but the main thing that we read about when we see, for, you know, there's a verse that says that people will quote, and it's in there. I can't lie. It is in there. It says in the New Testament, after Jesus came, died, and rose again, and it says, it says, slaves, obey your masters. That's in there. What? Like, I'm done. Wait a second. What, they were, what was happening was it wasn't usually crime as much as financially. I could not pay my debts. When I got in a place where I owe you more than I can pay you, I don't have it. I could either sell my kids, sell my wife, or I can make a contractual agreement with you where I become your servant or slave. You can use either word, right? So I'm going to work for, and there was a term on it, right? And, and there was all that. So I'm going to work for you for this many months or this many years if it's crazy. And when I get to the end of that, my debt will be considered paid, right? And some of those, it was very much employer, employee, and some of it, it was more master slave, but it was either way. It was because that was the way I was choosing to pay myself or get myself out of the financial debt I was in. And that was happening, and it's spoken to in the New Testament. Slaves, if you're in that way, then you want to treat your master with respect in a way to bring honor to God. Nothing, nothing to do with people going across an ocean, kidnapping people, stuffing them on a boat, bringing them to this land, separating husbands and wives from kids, and murdering them if they didn't obey, and then making them work for centuries and receiving the profit to build a country. Those are not the same thing, but we don't know that. We, there's an enemy, there's a spiritual darkness that just wants to discredit the word because at the end of the day, the worst thing to the spiritual enemy that can happen is you experience God through his word. So we just use a word slavery that means nothing today like it meant when the scripture was written, but how do you know that if somebody doesn't tell you? Or if you don't do some research. So, so it takes some work sometime, and that's not a bad thing. All for what payoff? For what payoff? That you could experience God through Scripture. Slavery may be something you never, like you never bought that, you never even thought about that. What is it? Man, when you sit down at your table, wherever, and if you've ever tried and opened the word, like what? What keeps you from really believing? Maybe it's an, an understanding, because it's not like any other book. Like it said that it reads you more than you read it. It's interactive. Like, how can it be interactive? Is it like those books we read when we were little? You remember those where you get to choose your own ending? Those were awesome, right? You're reading the story, and, and the, the kid is out in the woods, and then the, the, the dragon wants him to go right, and the squirrel wants him to go left, and it says, go to page 74 if he goes with the dragon. Go to page 89 if he goes with the squirrel. And you get to pick which one. Like, I felt so empowered. That's not, like, there's none of that in Scripture. Like, you don't get, it's better. It's just, it's different. Like, when I, I'm not a, I got to be honest, I'm not a great reader. Like, some of you go through books. My, my father-in-law is, is in, like, he, read, he reads, he's read some books so many times, he can't tell you how many times he's read, like, the same book. Like, depending on the season, right, he'll just go through books. Like, I'm not that guy. But I do love story, right? It takes a really good book to really draw me in. And sometimes it's not a story, right? It's a movie or a show. Same, same idea, though. We love, right, in this last year, right, people that 
said they would never subscribe or pay for Netflix. Like they were all in on Netflix, right? I just got to get something. Like I, don't, I can't go anywhere. So we, we, we just love. And, and, and Kelly and I, my wife, we say, we say we know it's a good show when we think about it the next day, right? If that character is like, you know, I told you about, you know, this is us and I pray for those characters. I don't think that's wrong. Right, I'm praying for them. Right, when I'm discussing and thinking about my my, my people, right, that, that's a powerful story and show. That's the hook. That's what makes a show, a book, a movie. That's what makes it is when there's something about, usually early on, that's the hard thing about a book. There's no visual. Like, you gotta get me quick. Or I'm gonna just, you know, you know how many books I've started and never gotten to midway, right? So I think that messes us up because we're looking for the hook in Scripture. And man, if it's God's word, it must be the most. And everything we go to, right, Netflix, the purpose is entertainment, right? You want to lose all faith in America? Go look at the top 10 most watched shows in America and Netflix, right? They're, they're, they're designed to get the most views. They're designed for you to veg out for the most part and be entertained. So we are trained. It's nothing wrong with you. I'm not mad at you. It's me too. We're trained to go to any book source, any, we're, we're, we're trained to be entertained. Scripture does not entertain. Now there's some crazy stuff in there. Don't get me wrong. It ain't boring, but it was not written. It is not to veg out and to escape and to be. So we read books and we watch movies and we go to scripture like this should be the best book ever. It's the best selling and it's from God. And then we're like, man, it doesn't really move me. There's no hook because it's different. Here's the hook. God wants to meet you in his word. That's better than any show I've ever watched. God wants to meet me. He wants to meet you in his word. Now, now sometimes that's reading. It's not always. Sometimes it's listening to scripture. Sometimes it's like when we sing, right, the songs that, that hit the hardest and that we love the most at Relentless Church are the songs that are just scripture put to music, Right? The form is, is very personal and poetic, and there's all kinds of ways to do this. It's much more than just sitting down and opening a book and reading. But any kind of way, the, the goal of the scripture is God wants to meet you there. And we've settled for reading it. And then we're like, man, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. God wants to transform you. What? I told you a few weeks ago, we're so scared of change. We need to be scared of not changing. Changing is the best thing we got. It proves that God's real. What we want in this message is not for you to go read the Bible. We want you to experience God through Scripture so that this message, maybe it turns you on. Maybe, maybe you order that book and get some, like, some, some more like, foundation of why the Bible is real. But more than anything, we want you to have your own story of how you experience God through his word. Then nobody can take that away. Now Sunday's this time where we come and we praise them together and we're serving the body and we're all in this together. We're gonna have an impact on Raleigh and Wake County and North Carolina and Honduras and the world and we are in his church. But man, I'm not waiting seven days to hear from my God. Hebrews says, verse 15, for we do not have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Well, it's kind of a random scripture to read right now, right? 
I try to preach from scripture always, but what I'm preaching is not what I'm studying personally. The reason for that is it's a little different for me because being in scripture is part of my job, right? And that can get real complicated. So I'm always trying to study something that's, that's relational for me and God and then preach. That's a different thing. So those are separate things. So I'm in Hebrews right now and I'm breaking my own rule because I'm preaching but, but I was in this midweek, and that was the verse I read. And right when I got to that, and I'm trying to like kind of meditate and meet God there, there of like Jesus as our high priest and all this. And, and in that, I'm interrupted. And I can't tell you what the interruption was. But I just would tell you that it was heartbreaking. When, when somebody you love, and you've been there, somebody you love is hurt and damaged from the deception of sin. It was just heartbreaking. And I needed to stop what I was doing and deal with the situation and, and, and it kind of, you know, went all kinds of sideways. Hours later, I'm coming back. I do mine on the computer so I can remember to look back. So I'm typing. I go back and I just left off there. And I'm just looking back at this verse. And this verse that I was reading and kind of trying to meet God in, I'm kind of mad at it because now I'm reading. I'm like, listen, this person that I love, and I've been there. I've been the person who just went the wrong way, and I knew better. And now it's going to hurt me and people I love. I was like, Jesus, you, you were tempted in every way, yet you never sinned. That's intimidating. You know what it's like to be tempted. You know what it's like to be us and to go right or go left, and we should go one way, and we go the wrong And except you never went the wrong way. So how can we come to you and your perfection when we blow it over and over and over, and you never did? I'm getting ready to preach. I told God, I'm getting ready to preach. I'm, I'm preaching in a few days about the power of your word. I need something right now. I need you to meet me, and I know there's another verse in the paragraph, and I got interrupted, and I need to go to now to verse 16. Here's what verse 16 says. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, some of you don't know me. That may sound like, man, you're preaching. That's some pastor stuff. I'm just telling you what happened. Before I'd read what was coming, I just asked God, I don't know what's, and the reality that yes, there's a perfect Jesus that was tempted in every way. He knows, you know what that means? He knows what you struggle with. He knows what it means and feels to be tempted with your specific temptation. He's not unaware. The difference between you and him is that he never gave into it. And that's not intimidating because it then flows, let us then, as a result of his perfection, we get to walk to his throne of grace with confidence. Well, I sin every day and he never sins. Why would I walk to him with confidence? Because he sits on the throne of grace. Because it always goes back to the gospel in Easter. Because he came to this planet and died on a cross, defeated sin, and rose from the dead so that you wouldn't have to sit in your sin. We get to come confidently to his throne of grace so that he can provide the mercy that we sang about that's new every day. I'm telling you, that little sentence written 2,000 years ago almost changed my day and my week. 
Why? Because God wants to meet you in his word. You don't have to read a bunch, right? You don't have to do, like, that's all personal. We'll help you with that and plans and new version. Like, we'll figure all that out. But you guys, it's all built on. It's from, breathed out from God, one and two. Right now. I've never even read scripture. Doesn't matter. Right now, this week, he wants to meet you. He wants you to experience him through scripture. I think we, we settle for reading when he wants to do so much more. No wonder we're missing out. No wonder, no wonder, right? Ephesians 6 talks about the armor and the fight of God. It's all defensive stuff, right? So you don't get killed. It talks about the shield of faith. We need a shield, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, belt of truth, feet fitted. All of it is like, so you don't get killed. But there's one offensive weapon. It's on the screen, Ephesians 6, 17. It says, we have a sword, which is the word of God. Who wants to go into battle with all the armor and the defense? Send you out there. Here's your goal. Don't get hit. No, I need a gun. I need a sword. I need to do some damage. I need to change the world by my power. No, well, how do we change? You got to have a sword. What's the sword? It's the word of God. Let's go. Right? We don't need to come in here and gather just to turn inward. And No, we go in here to get rallied up. This is the pregame before we go do life. And if you're depending on me to give you enough scripture to get you through seven days of war, you're in trouble. One of my favorite elementary school memories was this book called Where the Red Fern Grows. Hey, I got a little, a little reaction there. Somebody read it. I don't know if that's a big book or if it was just Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And it was so bad. We should have read the book, but in my class, the teacher read it to us. I don't know if that had anything to do with me or not. But we'd take like 30 minutes every day over a couple of weeks, and man, I could, she's reading the words and I'm seeing these characters. I'm feeling the, like I'm getting to know these dogs. It's a story about dogs. If you don't know, it's a beautiful little book. And it just like more than any book ever in elementary school or middle school or high school, I remember where, I don't know why, just where the red fern grows. But I can't say all these years later, I love the book. I can't say it changed my life. It's a great book. Maybe a book has changed your life. That's fine. But what we're talking about is not about a book changing your life. We're talking about a God who knows you and made you, meeting you in his word. He wants you to experience him. He does not want you to leave here and take my word for it. He doesn't want you to have to hear a pastor say the Bible is true. He wants to give you something so much better. He wants to show up in your life through his word. He's really good at it. It'll freak you out sometimes. You'll read something in the morning or at the night. Like, I don't even know what that is. Like I read it. And then the next day, oh my goodness, he was preparing me. He was in. He knew and I can, I, can, I can blow it like all of us, right? I can read that verse. Let's then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive. I can read that and be like, oh, that's good. Draw near to the throne of grace confidently. Okay, that's good script. That's good. That's good. Oh, that's, that's good, right? Or I can stop, which is the biggest word for some of us, and I can slow down, quiet my mind, and I can say, God, would you meet me in your word?
And instead of getting a good verse, I get the personal experience. And I'm telling you, there is a place to talk about the history and the Dead Sea Scrolls and the logic and who wrote it and translation. There's a place for that. But you start seeing through your life, God show up through his word. Nobody can tell you anything different that the word of God is the actual God-breathed revelation of our God. That's what we're building on. There will never be a day, church, where it's like, hey, I, I came up with something. It's not in scripture, but you're gonna love it. Like, if I do that, you start throwing stuff, right? We're built on the truth of God's word. I'm gonna ask you to stand. I'm gonna pray that you experience God through his word. Whether you've done that a hundred times, never done that in your life, wherever you're at with him, it's okay. We'll all start somewhere. Let me pray for you. Father, we just, we thank you for your goodness that is so layered. God, you're good. You don't give up on us. You're relentless, God. There are so many of us. In fact, God, the truth is there's all of us <laughs> that on some level we have given you a reason to give up on us. But yet you just keep coming with that mercy, with that love, with that grace. We thank you. Not just that you would send Jesus, not just that he would die for our sins, not just that he really did defeat death so that we can also raise from the dead, but that you would be so good on top of all that, that you would reveal yourself, that you would let us know who you are, what you're like, what you're about, that you would meet us, that you would be interactive, that you would show up in our lives in so many ways, but specifically through your word. God, help us feel no pressure Help us feel no threat. Help us feel no, no, none of that. Just help us relax and meet and believe that you will show up in your word. And God, I pray as a church that we'll get better than we've ever been at helping people meet you in your word. God, I pray we'd go here excited to be alone with you this week and to watch you do what only you can do. God, we thank you for the week ahead. We thank you for Welcome to Relentless tomorrow night. God, we thank you for next Sunday, Baptism Sunday. If there's those online or those in the room, it's their day on April 25th. God, I pray you'd speak to them between now and next week. We pray and go in Jesus' name, amen. Y'all have a great week.